Thank you once again. Good day to students and teachers of the Word of God. Our lesson this week, uh, dealing with one of the doctrines of soteriology, deals with the doctrine of repentance. Repentance, a very common term in the Word of God, which basically means a turning from or a change of mind or change of attitude about a thing. Now, under the Old Testament order of law and sacrifice, the people confessed their sin, offered a sacrifice, and then often returned to repeat the sin and the sacrifice. And this went on for years and years and years in the Old Testament, which is manifest by Hebrews chapter 10, which speaks about the offers having to come back to get their conscience cleared for the same thing. Gospel repentance is turning from sin and turning to God. And it is best illustrated in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, where Paul said, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. It is called repentance on the life, because the new mind is not merely to depart from evil, which is the Old Testament sense, but to obtain life that is found in Christ, and this eternal life does not show up until Christ shows up. When Paul writes in hope of eternal life, Titus chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, he's not talking about anybody in this dispensation hoping they have it. He's talking about throughout the Old Testament, they looked forward and hoped it would show up. And this is very apparent for the fact that Titus goes on and says in chapter 1 that in the last times it has been made manifest. So repentance has a little different connotation on it in the New Testament than the Old Testament. Basically, the word means to turn from something or have a change of mind or heart or attitude about something. In this respect, God is spoken of as repenting and not repenting. For example... When Moses was praying to God and interceding for the people of Israel, and the Lord told Moses on Mount Sinai in uh, Exodus chapter 30 and 31 and 32 that he'd brought them out, Moses tells the Lord, Repent. That is, have the change of mind about what you're going to do. You find exactly the same thing in Genesis chapter 6 where it said the Lord repented that he had made man upon earth. So repentance in its basic rudimentary meaning and fundamental meaning is not necessarily a turning from sin but a change of mind and attitude about a thing. Of the same God who it was said, I repent that I have made man and beast upon the earth, it is said, God is not a man that he should repent. Neither the son of man that he should lie, hath he said and shall not do it, or hath he spoken and shall not make it good. Now, God doesn't repent of anything that he said that is fixed. If God says something and swears by himself a certain thing is to be or come to pass, there is no repenting or shadow of turning from it. It will come to pass. <clears throat> but we read in the Bible where the Lord repented of the fierce evil he said he'd do to Nineveh, and he didn't do it. And we read about uh, Jeremiah preaching the children of Israel, and the Lord saying um, to the children of Israel through Jeremiah, if they don't do this and that and so forth and so on, then I'll bring evil upon this people. Now, when the Lord repents of evil, it is never a reference to the Lord turning from sin. It is a reference to God changing his mind about bringing evil to pass upon the subjects of his condemnation or wrath. And the serious student of the Bible should get that very clear, because uh, many, many of the theological stumble bombs who ransack the Scriptures to try to prove their own particular belief have a habit of just carelessly ignoring what the book says. When the Bible speaks of God repenting of the evil that he said he would do, it has no reference of God turning from sin that he was about to commit. It rather has to do with God changing his mind about some evil that he was going to bring to pass in somebody who wasn't repenting. <clears throat> so repentance means basically to turn from, and especially a change of mind or harder attitude about a thing. 
in the New Testament. This repentance is called uh, godly sorrow, which repentance and uh, brings repentance unto salvation. Second Corinthians chapter seven verse ten: Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. As it is not to be repented of again, it means that no one is to return again to that sin, and it also infers a change attitude toward sin. And above all, it means that once you're saved, you cannot repent and get saved again. And, of course, this is brought out in a hypothetical way by the writer of Hebrews chapter 6 when he said it is impossible for those who once done certain things to renew them again to repentance. In other words, the reason why many charismatics are worried about the unpardonable sin is they're afraid they've committed it in their own lives. This is why they often accuse others of having committed it when they disagree with them. We find many of these people talk most about the Holy Ghost are the quickest to assume that somebody else has committed it because they've got a bad conscience about it themselves. Now, those of us who are saved and born again and regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we never give any consideration at all to a pre-crucifixion passage given to Jews on the unpardonable sin. That is one of our problems. It isn't going to be one of our problems. However, when a man receives the Holy Spirit and then goes through an emotional experience and gets another spirit, and pretend the second spirit was the Holy Spirit and rejects the teaching of the New Testament that he received the Holy Spirit when he got saved, then he's always worried about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So he always thinks if you disagree with him, you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. This is characteristic of the demoniac type of Christian we have in America today who is led and controlled by unclean spirits. Now, make no mistake about it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, and Hebrews chapter 6, you're told it is impossible for a man who is saved to go back and repent and get saved again. It is impossible. When a man is saved, he's saved. And if he's not saved, he's not saved, and that's all there is to it. Now, on repentance, from a negative standpoint, repentance is not merely sorrow for sin. There are many who weep over sin, but without repentance immediately return to the same sin. Doing penance is certainly not repentance. For to give the sinner some merit to earn in order to gain salvation often hinders true repentance. Judas Iscariot and Esau and Balaam and Saul illustrate false repentance. When people try to get saved back to 238, they go through this false plan of salvation and repent as Esau, which didn't work, as Judas Iscariot, which didn't work, as Saul, which didn't work, and as Balaam, which didn't work. Balaam repented of his sin and said, I have sinned, and went to hell. Saul said, I have sinned, and was rejected and went to hell, or at least lost the kingdom. Uh, Judas Iscariot says, I have sinned, and goes to the bottomless pit. And that's the way the snow blows. Pharaoh said, uh, I have sinned, and then died and went to hell, according to Romans 9. So there's a great deal of difference between biblical repentance and uh, the modern repentance that is based on the... Uh, Messianic message to Israel in Acts 2.38. In Acts 2.38, Simon Peter is telling the nation of Israel to repent of their sin of rejecting their Messiah. There wasn't one word said in Acts chapter 2 about a man repenting of his sin he had committed that were driving him to hell without the righteousness of Christ's finished atonement. Not a word. And this is why people who, why, this explains why people who repent and are baptized, according to Acts 2.38, Never repent, because evangelical repentance is not sorrow for what you've done. Evangelical repentance is sorrow for what you are. Now, notice how clearly this is 
uh, demonstrated in the Bible in the case of Simon Peter, Job, and Isaiah. And notice how very clearly and vividly the Holy Spirit draws out to your attention, regardless of your feelings about it, that there are two kinds of repentance, and one of them works the death because it's the sorrow of this world, and the other works salvation not to be repented of because it's godly sorrow. Now, the kind of repentance that is the sorrow of this world that worketh death is where you'll sigh for what you've done and confess it. Biblical repentance is being sorry for what you are and accepting Christ because you yourself are no good. Now, that's the difference. Uh, we have many of these uh, foxhole conversions and auto-wreck repentances where the man comes out and says, if it weren't for the good Lord, I know I wouldn't have made it. And, of course, all that's nonsense. The man says, I let Christ come into my life, meaning I took the part of the Bible I believe in, threw the rest out, and confounded the Scripture and screwed them up so I could make a living. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being sorrow for what you are. For example, when Isaiah runs into God, he doesn't say, I've done anything wrong. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of an unclean people. And when Job had a head-on collision with deity, Job doesn't say, I'm so sorry I made a mistake and said the wrong thing. He said, I repent and abhor myself, and I repent in sackcloth and ashes. You see the difference? When Simon Peter gets right, he says, Depart from me, O Lord, I am a sinful man. It isn't a confession of sin that marks repentance. It's a turning from sin and turning to Jesus Christ that marks repentance. And I don't mean turning to water baptism. I mean receiving Jesus Christ by faith and receiving the promise of the Spirit by faith, because the promise of the Spirit is never given through water baptism one time after Acts 2.38 in any Bible in print. Now, there's a necessity for repentance. And from a positive standpoint, it is a change of mind that leads to a change of conduct. All need to repent because all are guilty in God's sight. In Luke chapter 13, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In Jesus Christ's first sermon after the baptism and his testing in the wilderness, in his very first sermon, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The very first message that John the Baptist preached to Israel after the times had worn on and the end time was nearing and the Messiah was about to be sent, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the King of the Jews, John the Baptist says, Repent. And when Jesus Christ begins his earthly ministry, he begins it with these words, Repent. Repentance comes before believing. In Mark 1, 5, we read, Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repentance comes before forgiveness. In Luke 24, 47, Jesus Christ said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, not just Israel, all nations. And this should explain why God had to correct Simon Peter in Acts chapter 10 when he began to preach to the nations. Simon Peter was already to pull his Jewish formula from Acts 2 on Cornelius when the Lord interrupted the sermon and showed that Acts chapter 2.38 was no longer the way to receive the Holy Spirit. And, of course, Simon Peter, going by the information he had at that time, did right and did by what God had showed him, but God had to show him additional information. This is why all unsaved elders and pastors try to teach their congregation Acts 2.38 as a plan of salvation, because God changed it. Now, if that seems strange to you, I would suggest you study the Bible instead of sitting around scratching your head. Uh, the Lord changes not in his dealings with Israel, Malachi chapter 1, uh, the gift and calling of God without repentance, uh, Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 11, 
but God very often changes his method. He healed one blind man with spit and mud, and the other fellow he just touched his eyes, and another one he just spoke to. Another one didn't get healed of his of blindness until he left Christ and went in his way. Now, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Simon Peter, preaching to an audience of circumcised, Sabbath-observing, temple-worshiping, pork-abstaining Jews, tells them the only way they can get the Holy Ghost is by repenting and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. When he goes to preach this to all nations, according to the commandment of Luke chapter 24, verse 47, the Lord interrupts his message and shows him, I'm not dealing with the nations in that fashion. No Gentile in the history of the universe was ever saved, according to Acts 2.38. There isn't one case in the New Testament where any Gentile was ever told, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There isn't one case. Yes, well, I've heard that preached all my life. You're living the Laodicean church, period. You live in the day and age when the preachers don't study the Word, don't believe the Word, and when they do, abort and confound the Word to back up their own belief. You're not living in the in during a period of great revival in Bible study. Why, these little emasculated feather dusters up and down the country, people are reading these days, they're not Bibles. You say, how do you know they're not? By what the people get from them when they read them. Anybody who can read knows that no Gentile in the world was ever saved, according to Acts 2.38. Anybody knows that, that can read third-grade English. When the Gentiles were saved in Acts chapter 10 under Simon Peter's preaching, they received the promise of the Holy Spirit by faith before they're baptized in water. And there hasn't been a Gentile saved before or since, according to Acts 2.38. In Simon Peter's message to Israel in Acts 2.38, he's talking about the repentance of a nation for rejecting the Messiah. Among the nations, it's repentance and forgiveness of sins preached in Christ's name and the Gentiles receiving the promise of the Spirit by faith. God commands repentance. In Acts 17.30, the Bible says the time of this ignorance God winked at, the Old Testament times when God tolerated to put up with image worship, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. To repent of what? In Acts 17.30, the context is men worshiping images and idols instead of the image of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Repentance, then, is a very prominent subject in the Scriptures, being mentioned over a hundred times in the Bible. Repentance, as we've said before, was the theme of John the Baptist. In Matthew 3, verse 1 and 2, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye. When Jesus sent forth his disciples before the crucifixion to preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel only, he commanded them to preach repentance. In Mark 6:12, they went out, quote, and preached that men should repent. At Pentecost, the disciples uh, preached their repentance. At Pentecost, where the Jewish apostles are preaching to an all-Jewish audience of Sabbath-observing, temple-worshiping, pork-abstaining, circumcised, bearded Jews, Peter tells them, if you want to know what to do in view of the fact you've crucified your Messiah, repent and be baptized, every one of you. This was the message of the Apostle Paul, the repentance part, although, of course, he never quoted Acts 2.38, nor did anybody. There isn't any case in the New Testament where anybody ever gave anybody Acts 2.38 as the plan of salvation after the Pentecostal message of Israel, and, of course, you couldn't be saved if they gave you the message, because you're to receive the promise of the Spirit by faith, not by water baptism. 
In Acts chapter 20, 21, however, Paul certainly preaches repentance. It is the burden of the heart of God that all should repent. Because in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we read, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Failure to obey God in this manner will lead to eternal damnation, according to Jesus Christ, who said in Luke 13, 3, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Then no doctor or lawyer is exempt from the commandment. No man is exempt simply because he makes $150,000 a year. He doesn't put you in any class outside the class of a hippie or a junkie or a hustler or a prostitute or a bum or a pusher when it comes to sin. When it comes to sin, the Apostle Paul said, there is no difference. There is no difference. You may think there is, but there is no difference. It may look like there is. But there is no difference. You may like to think there is. But there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, these commandments are clear. Repentance is commanded by God of all men everywhere. Nobody is exempt. You say, repent of what? Repent of your devilment. Repent of your meanness. Repent of your laziness. Repent of your stubbornness. You want me to tell it like it is and name them? You have to name things to people these days. They've had so much positive slop about sharing Christ and sharing their experience and the love of God. They don't even know what they're to turn from and turn to anymore. They've got the blind staggers. Repent of your laziness in studying the Word of God. Repent of your indifference for souls and not going out and trying to win people to Christ. Repent of your cowardice and not telling unsaved people they're going to hell and instead of sitting around waiting for some Christian to get saved and then try to talk him out of experience by a lot of blather about the Holy Ghost you don't understand and the preacher that talks you doesn't understand either. Repent. Turn from your sins. Pay back the money you owe. Start paying your bills on time. Repent. That's what that means. That's what this nation needs. Quit lying to foreign powers in order to get on their good side. Quit selling weapons and ammunition to people to shoot each other with and then go around talking about peace. Repent. What it means? Quit mixing people in social and racial groups that don't want to be together and thereby fomenting riot, broken bones, bruised bodies, and bleeding hearts and causing hospital bills just because you think that international socialism is a sane pipe dream. Repent. You understand what repentance means? It means to turn from your devilment, turn from your wickedness, quit your meanness. You've beaten up your wife, cut it out. You're neglecting your children, start helping them out. You're not praying in the home, start praying in the home. Amen, amen, amen. You're too yellow to put out a gospel tract, start putting them out. You understand what repentance means? Repentance is negative. It means quit it. It means forbought. It means don't do it. It means God talking to you like a dogmatic dictator and you resenting it because of your rotten, mean, depraved nature. That's what it means. Repent. That's what it means. Quit your drinking. Quit your cussing. Quit fouling up your lung with cancer. Start paying your bills. That's what it means. Quit telling your dirty jokes. You understand what repentance means? You want it any clearer? My bless your soul, you could turn on the radio and turn on the radio in some of these countries for 15 weeks and never hear a message on repentance. Get the boob tube out of your living room. Get those dirty records out of your house with all that African rock on them that you thought was Christian because some guy sang it that thought he was up located near Graceland someplace. Repent. 
You know what it means? It means quit your cowardice, quit your meanness, quit your laziness, quit your stubbornness. Quit get upset when you're told the truth. Start loving the people you don't agree with. Forgive the people that have injured you. Repent. God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Turn from your sins. That's what he's talking about. Do you understand it? Do you want any plainer? Do you want to have me draw your picture? I'll draw you one. Repentance is touching the intellect means to change your mind. In Matthew 21, verse 29, the young son said, I'll not go to work, but after he repented and went. Repentance is a revolution, touching your attitude, your views toward sin, and your views toward righteousness, and especially your views toward Bible translations and Bible versions. Repent. Repentance teaches the Christian to hate sin and to learn to love holiness and purity, and charity rejoices in the truth, so if you love God, you love the truth of God. The prodigal son repented. He changed his mind about living in a far country and decided to return to his father's household as a servant. When Peter at Pentecost asked the nation of Jews to repent, he meant for them to change their minds about rejecting their Messiah. From considering Jesus a mere man, a blasphemer, an imposter, they were told to change their mind and recognize him as the Messiah sent to Israel to be their anointed leader. As touching the emotions, repentance means that you're to sorrow to salvation. Godly repentance. Very often feelings play a great part in repentance. Repentance is a hard battle. I wouldn't say anything I just said here in the last 15 minutes is easy. It's not easy for a man who's been spending all his nights watching New York and Hollywood and Chicago to throw that idiot box out of the house. That isn't easy. Nothing easy about it. It's not easy for you to bust up fellowship with your mother and father because they're being led by the devil to reject the Word of God. It isn't easy. It isn't easy to have to leave a church where you're raised because that church is now supporting modernism, liberalism, apostasy, and taking its offering to support revolutionary groups to kill each other over in Africa. It's not easy. I never said it was easy. God never said it was easy to do right or think right or act right or talk right. You were taught that in school. You were taught it was easy to do right as long as you didn't hurt anybody. You talk about a bunch of people how to have their head looked at. It's never been easy to do right. It's going to cost you income to do right. Do you understand? How many of you understand now? Get under that billfold. I think we'll get on a common ground. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's going to cost you something, brother, to put up with the truth and tolerate the truth and hear the truth and preach the truth and believe the truth and practice the truth. And if you think it can be done easy, it's because you sowed water down the truth and denied the truth and perverted the truth and ignored the truth that you'll think you're doing right when you're not. Let me tell you something. Christ said, if a man wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. You think that's easy? Did you ever try self-denial on cutting down your weight? Did you ever try self-denial when somebody's getting credit for something you thought you ought to get credit for it? You think self-denial is easy? Christ said, a man that follows me denies himself and takes up a cross. Do you think it's easy to get nailed to a cross? Oh, we've got a bunch of Christians these days, boy. We've got them in their pretty little clothes and their pretty little car with their pretty little songs and their pretty little smiles talking about shedding that experiences with Christ coming into your life. <laughs> How about that whip and those nails, son? You know anything about that? 
How about that blood, sweat, and tears, and that spit running down the face? You been along there? Well, that's where they go that follow Jesus Christ. Some of you must have been following the wrong Christ. You must have invented the Christ you're talking about that comes into your life. Repentance is not easy. In Luke chapter 10, verse 13, Paul, Jesus said about time, Zion, if they'd repented, they would have repented of sitting in sackcloth and ashes. In Luke 7, 44, the woman who was demonstrating repentance washed his feet with her tears. The publican, Luke 18, 13, smote his breast, indicating sorrow of heart. In Psalm 38, 18, David said, I will declare my iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. It doesn't always include tears and terrible sorrow, but very often it does. I was touching the will. The Hebrew word for repent means to turn from. The prodigal son said, I will arise. And he arose. As a man said, repentance is a crisis with a changed experience in view. Paul taught repentance as an experience rather than a single act. Repentance is twofold. One, turning from sin, and two, turning to God. The essence of sin is departure from God, like the prodigal son. And the essence of repentance is returning to God. Turning from sin without turning to God is reformation. That's not regeneration. If you turn from sin without turning to God, you're simply in a temporary state of abeyance before the, the axe finally falls. Paul said about his converts in Thessalonica, they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And in Acts 26, 18, he said his commission was to take people and turn them from the power of Satan unto God. Repentance from is no good unless it's repentance to. How is repentance produced? Well, basically, it is produced by the Holy Spirit, convicting of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And in this sense, it can be said that God grants it because it is the work of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy 2, 25, we read, If God peradventure will give them repentance of acknowledging the truth. As people hear the message of the gospel, the Holy Spirit convicts them of their sin and gives them a desire to repent and turn from their sins and trust Christ. Jonah preached repentance to Nineveh. They believe the message and turn to God. The Bible says the goodness of God leads a man to repentance, Romans 2, 4. So the Lord said, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Revelation chapter 3, 19. The results of repentance are apparent. All heaven rejoices. I say to you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, then over ninety-nine just persons which have no need of repentance. It brings pardon and forgiveness of sins. Isaiah 55, 7. Repentance does not cause one to merit forgiveness. Repentance is a condition for receiving forgiveness. Repentance prepares a man for pardon, but it doesn't entitle him to it. The pardon comes from the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. The Holy Spirit then, when he comes into the body of the repentant believer, gives him assurance of knowledge that his sins are forgiven, that he is in Christ, that he's regenerated, that he is born again. All the blessings of the Bible follow the true believer's initial repentance, Godward. A redeemed sinner should never cease to be penitent, and a redeemed sinner from time to time should check upon his life and turn back from his individual sins, confess them, judge them, and turn again to God to stay in fellowship with God. For if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. May the Lord bless you, and good day.